in one, in two, in three, and welcome back to Zoom Zumba, everybody. For the last time, Kyle, it's just Zumba. But I will say your form is looking better. Keep it up, buddy. Good work. Form over function, baby. Function's still extremely important. You know that, right? You could hurt yourself. No pain, no gain. Yeah, but gains aren't always the point, are they? I mean, you gotta look at health and flexibility, quality of life. Look, T-Pain, just trying to scale my body without losing my swole. Okay, um, good play on the episode theme, but please never say that again. The, the T-Pain bit or the swole bit? Both. Plus, all this Zumba is going to make you lose weight. I'm not sure about all these gains, bro. All good. Get my gains from my diet. Hawaiian for breakfast, veggie deluxe for lunch, double meat lovers for dinner, and treatsa for a little post-protein treatsa. Is that all pizza, Kyle? Are you you're just eating pizza? Uh-huh. Look, nutrition's like 80% of the work. That's oh. awful. Huh. I, I mean, I, I do feel a bit bloated and usually pretty sick after these workouts, come to think of it. Yeah, and don't get me started on your gas. Gross. Mwah. Mwah. Did you just kiss your arms? Yes, sun's out, gun's out. <sighs> Welcome to Commerce Chefs, a quirky and thought-provoking show for future-focused commerce leaders. We're going to pit the world's most brilliant, inspiring, and driven D2C visionaries, the Commerce Chefs, with riveting questions to uncover their secret ingredients at the intersection of passion, performance, and leadership in practice. For the past decade, we've led teams of designers, strategists, and digital wizards at one of the leading e-com agencies in the country to help brave brands become enduring classics. And we're here to indefinitely borrow the strategies and pro tips that will make us all better leaders and make the brands we lead better too. I think, I think I'm done with Zoom Zumba. You want to try Soul Cycle next? For the huh? last time, Tom, it's Swole Cycle. Hundo P, I'm in. Nobody calls it that. In it to win it! Kyle, is bigger always better? Yes, absolutely yes. Unequivocally, yes. And why do you say that, Kyle? Well, even if there's a bit much and you have leftover, you could eat it cold or you could take it for lunch. No, Kyle, not pizza. Ecom. You know what our show's about? Oh, right. Can we start a show about pizza, though? Because I have thoughts. I'm sure you do. Um, Well, we'll we'll talk about it later. Okay. All right. Okay. Today, we're talking about scaling. For any commerce leader, and especially in e-com, one of the most implicit goals is growth. Bigger always seems to be better. But why is this? What's the point of scale? And as we progress, does this always ring true? Should every business leader set their sights on scale? Maybe not. So how do you know if scaling your brand is right for you? And what does scale look like? And once you know, where do you go from there? Is there a recipe for scaling that lets you balance success and authenticity to the brand you work so hard to build? In other words, how do you scale the soul of your brand? To help us nail down the recipe for scaling with soul, we couldn't think of a better guest than Joel Silver, 
Joel is an executive consultant and e-com guru who has scaled iconic brands like Indigo and David's Tea, where he was president and CEO until 2018. At David's Tea, Joel led a $240 million empire into e-commerce and doubled e-commerce growth within 18 months. He worked to triple stock prices at Indigo and owned the P&L for their $80 million e-com division. With this in mind, we asked Joel about what leaders need to keep in mind when trying to scale and which businesses might not be a fit for scale in the first place. There's crafting the product and service, and then a lot of some people will really just want to craft the whole digital experience page by page. And I think if they want to craft the digital experience as well as their own product experience, it's just getting them to focus. If you want to do that, it's just a smaller business. You know, it, it is the mom and pop shop of e-commerce. That's just what you have to kind of get to. And some people want that. They're fine. Say, okay, I don't want my business to be more than a couple million dollars, and I am happy and profitable, and I'm here. But, you know, some of those scaling things that make the brand unique at the beginning, they just kill you. And it's hard to kind of give those things up. Getting the team to think about, hey, you really have to give up anything that's unique or custom because getting onto a standardized platform, just even how the user interfaces with it, they just, they know how to engage with something. So that's one piece of it. The other piece of it is the more, you know, speed starts to really matter in terms of as you're scaling that business. So as you, as you start to pull back from everything custom and you're really just making decisions saying, you still want to have the life of the brand, but you've got to be brutal on removing things that are just unique to you. So again, we've had this crazy photography size. It's incredible for these kind of close-up tee shots, but you're killing the you're killing the speed of the site, which kills conversion. So those are just things that people didn't see and didn't realize or think about as kind of, they were trying to scale a business. And that business went from, you know, they were under 10 million, but you know, they're on track probably to closer hundred million today. The efficiency of these platforms now, whether it's, you know, demand or a shop by are that, you know, they are built to scale and they're built to kind of absorb these crazy amounts of traffic, which you see and you never even knew you had. So if scaling e-com is for you, digital efficiency is key. And this might mean letting go of some things you held close to your heart. And so beautiful, Kyle. This might mean letting go of some things you held close to your heart and soul, like a custom platform or an indulgent and flashy user experience in favor of speed and efficiency. Wait, hold up, Tom. So elephant in the Zoom here. Digital's kind of our jam at PB&J, our agency. And, and so are you saying that we shouldn't invest in user experience and things like design and brand? It's a great question, but I'm, I'm actually saying the opposite. Investing in user experience and design is an extremely important exercise. Understanding what and why something is, marrying art and science of the intentional decisions that go behind things within a user experience or UI setting is huge. You need to weigh pros and cons. You need to look at what bringing a certain feature or functionality may do to the performance of your site, especially at scale. So good design and good UX, it is an exercise and an investment that needs to be done in order to look at speed and efficiency. Yeah, I love that. It's good design, good user experience is that. It's marrying all of those factors and all of those stakeholders into one solution. Okay, so we're talking a lot about digital efficiencies, but they aren't the only thing we need to worry about when it comes to efficiencies. And we spoke with Sophie Wilmer, the general manager of Kitris Art Glass. 
she helped grow this generational family business into Canada's largest hot glass studio that's been featured in retail stores across North America. We talked to her about how building operational efficiencies, particularly with handmade artisan products, helped this mom and pop shop grow to become a household name. Everything is made by somebody. We're just farther removed from that process. And I think when you start to think of it like that, all things are made somewhere, some by some people, but maybe some by machines, but a lot of things are still made by people. And so what it comes down to for in our thing was that you're looking at a lot of systems and you're looking at a lot of processes. And so for us, when you can systematize and it's like, okay, so we all are going to put the pipes in the glass the same way. And we're all going to roll the color on the same way. And we're all going to kind of do these things in the same way. And even though every craftsperson has their own nuance of the way they do things, everybody can learn consistency when there's a process and a system to follow. And I think that is really whatever you're scaling in whatever way you're scaling it, whether it's a handmade product, whether it's a digital product, like whatever it may be, as long as you have it, you have a system and there's a process, you can have that consistency. So if we've learned anything so far, efficiency and consistency are very important. But these can't be the only important trademarks of scaling. If they were, the only things that mattered would all be Amazon. And we're not. And we're not even trying to be. And for more about why you shouldn't try to be Amazon, take a listen to episode seven, The Resurrection of Retail. To dig in further on operations when scaling, especially when leading a revolutionary brand, we spoke to Roxanne Law, the COO of Diva International, who has been with the company leading operation for the past nine years. You might know Diva better from their flagship product, the Diva Cup. And Roxanne has been on the exec team as they've 10X'd their team, certified as a B Corporation, and defined an entire product category in which they now lead. The surprising thing is having a vision is important, but you can only last so long on gut instincts. Eventually, you have to bring in business systems, you have to bring in processes, you have to bring in plans and strategy and become a business entity. So I think the surprising thing is that we didn't do it sooner. It's not easy and it, it takes your whole team. I guess that wasn't surprising to me, but it was. It takes the whole team. Everyone needs to be on board and you need to be transparent with your whole team in order to really scale up. I think the most important thing is stay focused on your team. Out of all of the assets on your balance sheet, I really think your team is probably the most valuable that you have. Without a cohesive team, I don't care what you say, you're not going to scale up. So making sure people have the motivation, making sure they have the resources they need to do the job that they were hired for. But I think more importantly, keeping focused on giving your team the gift of knowing what they do every day is helping to the cause. And I, I say it's a gift because I think a lot of companies and a lot of leaders forget that people are motivated by how they contribute to a common goal. And if you don't take the time to share with them first of all, what the common goal is, but share with them how they are contributing to that common goal, I think you're going to have people that are going to be leaving and your retention will be very, very low. And I think that really came to light in the leadership strategies that were driven over COVID. That there's more 
definition on, on being empathetic. There's more leadership training than webinars on LinkedIn now on how to properly lead your, your teams with motivation. Those are always there. But I think this, this whole situation that we've lived through in the last year has really brought it to the forefront that this is what we need to focus on in order to find success. I think a distraction would be looking at too many opportunities at the same time, looking at that shiny penny. You know, when, when you have a strategy and, and you have a plan, it is really easy when you're scaling up. There's so many amazing opportunities out there. And, you know, most of them will be really good. But if you don't focus on one or two specific opportunities at a time, it's that old saying that, you know, you can do a lot of different things in a mediocre way, or you can concentrate on one or two really good things and really become expert in, in that, in that field. And I, and I think that is definitely one of the pitfalls or, or one of the things that uh, leaders can get into that they just, especially in scale, they could focus on way too many things and not really become good at anything in particular. Roxanne! Tom, we promised that we wouldn't do that. Can, can we fix that in post? Sorry, I, I couldn't help it. Yeah, we'll, we'll fix it in post. <clears throat> all right, all right. Prioritize building a strong team. Keep your focus top of mind, and you'll be able to manage whatever scaling throws at you. We asked Sophie about the types of problems she's encountered scaling and how she's managed them. You know, as you grow in any way, you're always kind of dealing with the same things, just in a bigger, different way. It's like, you know, when your kids are like babies and you're like, oh, I can't wait to get to the next stage. And then you get to the next stage. You're like, but what? Now you're doing this. And then you're like, oh, my God, I can't wait to get to the next stage. And you're like, but but now that and it's so much what I think about, like growing or scaling, whatever word you want to use a business is, is like, OK, when we get to that level, well, it'll be so much easier and won't have those problems. And it's true. You don't have those problems anymore. You have a whole new set of problems. I remember looking at other wholesale companies and like I was like, man, they're able to bring out like 600 SKUs every two months. Like, I wish I could do that. If I could only do that, I could grow. If I only could have done this, I could grow. But then I talked to those people and they're like, oh, we have all these shipping headaches and we can't get this. And then the retailers are like, yeah, I ordered it, but it never arrived. And you start to be like, oh, oh okay. So they have problems that are different, but I also have solutions to those niche problems so I can provide that. So, hey, is that my superpower? And so then you start to like figure that out too. And you start thinking less about, oh, I wish I was this, or I wish I was that. And you start to more appreciate what you actually are and can do. And if you just flex on that, the other stuff kind of just like, whatever. Roxanne agrees that taking the time to be grateful for your wins is so much more important than a lot of leaders realize. In fact, she thinks it better equips her to lead her team. I've really taken the time personally to slow down as well as professionally to slow down. And I think that has really benefited my team. If you can take the time to assess a situation, to reflect on a situation, whether it's good or bad, there's always something to learn from it, but also take the time to sit down and be grateful for, for the wins and, and grateful for the people around you that got you there. Because I think in having that gratefulness, you're not going to burn out as a leader, especially when you're growing in a team and you're wearing many hats and, and you're in, involved in a lot of different things at a company and the leaders of a company, you can burn yourself out pretty quickly. 
by always going to the next goal, always looking at your KPIs, always measuring yourself against those. But to really sit back and say, what am I grateful for to get to this point? Who are the people in the company that I want to say thank you to today? Because we did get to this point. And I think reflecting on that has made me a better leader. Airbnb famously used the activity elephants, dead fish, and vomit to retool their culture and reflect on the important things of the past. Today, we're introducing a new tool we like to call It's Been a Slice. We're really stretching it with this uh, pizza metaphor here, Kyle. Yeah, just like a good dough. (laughs) Okay. Today, we're going to pay homage to the things we've said goodbye to on the road to scale, founder to founder. Goodbye, doing the office supplies order myself. It's been a slice. Au revoir, playing ping pong for three hours a day, thinking it was building life skills. It's Mm. been a slice. It really did, though. Sayonara, getting away from using the free versions of apps and platforms. It's been a slice. Adios, having low overhead and simple operations. It's Mm. been a slice. Ciao, connecting meaningfully with each and every employee in one day and still having time to grab lunch. Oh, it's been a slice. Arrivederci, control. I may have started this company to get it, but... Well, it's been a slice. Hmm. Yeah. Aloha. Dreams that don't involve a P&L or a recurring cash flow stand-up. It's been a slice. A Wiedersehen. Shaking people's hands, meeting face-to-face and general human contact. It's been a slice. Farewell. The time I had all the answers. It's been a slice. <sighs> <sighs> Anybody hungry? I'm hungry. Mm, I'm going to make a pizza. And we're back. So efficiency is important, but so is having a vision and growing with your values. All those delicious ingredients for the soul of your brand. No matter how efficient you are, efficiencies alone can't guide your decision making in tricky situations of the soul. Purpose-driven brands always have a North Star to guide them through the inevitable problems that occur when scaling their brands. We talked to Sophie about how to keep your mission, vision, and brand values top of mind as you scale. One of the things, like when my parents very, very first started, that my mom always said was that when people call here, I want a person to answer the phone. And I think that like, there's so many ways that that spills out into your business. Like it's not just the person who answers the phone. It's the person who does this and it's the person who cares enough to make sure, oh, is this the right take? I'm not sure. Who double checks the things that are weird. And the more you can try and build that, I think that personalness into it, I think is really important. Doesn't happen right away. It really takes a lot of work. Now, according to Joel, staying true to our brand while scaling is simpler than it seems. His take is that we need to give our consumers a bit more credit. The little things that seem precious to us from the inside of the brand that we think make us unique probably aren't as important to our customers as we may think. Everybody thinks they have a unique business and a unique experience. And I think, you know, for books at the beginning, we had, again, that was a very, we had a couple million titles online in terms of the platform we had and speed, but everybody thinks they have these unique elements. And I think 
people are attracted to your brand not because they need necessarily web experience or touches. They're connected to the brand because the product and service and whatever else they're there. And I think trying to customize the web experience too much. So like I talk about image size, I talk about user flow. Those are just kind of two that are there. You're trying to scale the business, you know, post that 10, 20 million dollar range, trying to get it to 100 million. You're just all those things, they need to be automated or, you know, just figured out a very different way or really sort of forcing yourself to say, what are we taking out of the user path? The faster and cleaner your experience, you know, then you start to get the, the other speed, speed rewards from Google and the search rewards from, from the search engine as well. So huge opportunity there as well, too. They kind of, you know, everything you think you're making your unique, they're just, they're kind of little, little ants in the flywheel that start to slow you down. So the things that are really integral to our brand success are things we can continue to keep top of mind and consistent. It's not about the handwritten notes, for instance, as much as it is about being customer-centric. In scaling, we must let go of many things. The tactics have to change in order to do it. While at the same time, we must hold on tightly to the big things that matter, like purpose, values, vision, and our customers. Roxanne agrees that if you truly live and own your values, they don't easily fall to the wayside as you scale. Your story can evolve without your core mission and history changing. When you're a company that really holds true to your values, I don't think there's any difference when you're scaling up or, or when, when you're starting out. Your values are your values. I think the difference now is that there is a competitive space. There are a number of menstrual cups, and that is not necessarily a bad thing. The thing is that we're trying to build a category, and in that we have to know that there's going to eventually be competitors in that, in that space. So I think the shift that I've seen over the nine years has been going from that small niche product, a really family-owned, centered business, and scaling up to what it is today, which is still a family-owned business with all the values and care but we're operating more as a business system now. I think stories always have to evolve as your consumers evolve, as your product evolves, as the market evolves. Of course, the story changes. The story at the beginning was of a, of a mother and daughter that came out of a small town in Canada and created a company that really meant something. But I think where, where it's changed is now coming into the Diva Cares program and bringing in more intentional giving and, and more intentional sustainability in the world, both in people and, and in planet. I think the main story is always going to be there. It's our history. But the evolution of the story is coming to a company now that employs 50 people and continuing to grow and continuing to put a good quality product on the market that's helping a lot of people revolutionize the way they experience their period. It doesn't have to be something they're dreading at, at point in time in, in the month, they can actually celebrate and they can go on with, with their lives with whatever they were doing when they were not bleeding as to when they were bleeding. So I think that's, that's the change in the story, being revolutionary and giving opportunity. I think there's always place for a really good visionary. Without visionaries that can look at something out of the box or look in the future, you're not going to have steady growth with a company. I think a stagnant company is a is probably a company that's dying or, or starting to fizzle out. So I think visionaries that are crazy and going all over the map are always important. But I think what's important is having underneath that visionary is having people or teams or an integrator that can help find focus 
of those visionaries' visions to help find a plan and a strategy to move forward in in a fiscally responsible way and an environmentally and a people sustainably way. Um, so I think having that crazy visionary is always going to be important. And I, I think our, our founders of Diva, Karina and Francine, always had the vision that this product needed to go to anyone who menstruated who wanted it. And that was their, that was our focus from the very beginning. And, and I think that is still our focus today to bring this to as many people as we can, because we know that it will be a good thing for them. And I, and so in that respect, it hasn't changed. And I don't think it ever will. Roxanne's talking about not just scaling for growth, but that they're scaling for global impact and trying to reach their market in a meaningful way. When we talk about scaling, it's important to remember, we're not just talking about sales KPIs and unicorn valuations. There's so much more to it than that. That's what I call soulful scaling. How do you stay true to your values and vision when you are pursuing ambitious growth? Mm. I think you just got to do it. I like that. I mean, in some ways it's as simple as that, but as humans, or maybe just as founders and entrepreneurs, we can easily get distracted. So I think it's about keeping those values and vision front and center. They need to come to life to be part of your monthly and quarterly cadences. They need to be part of your internal and external accountabilities, how you measure things. Remember that the ambitious growth is actually there in the first place to amplify those values and vision, that that's the point. If you can kind of keep that as the, the framing, you'll be good to go. I love that. Our experts all had different stories about scaling and views on the priorities, pitfalls, and pains of how to do it successfully. But they all agreed that it was important to remain pragmatic and positive. Okay, enough with the peas. Yeah. Did I mention pizza? Gold star, buddy. <laughs> Sophie left us with this important story of a kid and a Ferrari. He was like a 12-year-old kid, and he, his friends are all looking at this picture of this Ferrari, and they're all like ooing and aahing over this Ferrari. And he's like, okay, cool. That's a cool car. Like, I don't really get why everyone's all like ooing about it. So he goes to his mom. He's like, mom, like these kids were like, they're all obsessed about this car. Like, what's the big deal? And she's like, well, like, come on. Like that car costs more than our house costs. Like nobody will own that car. And he writes in the book, he goes, but I thought to myself, somebody gets to own that car. And then his mom's like, kind of like, yeah, but like that car costs so much money. And that like, most people never have that much. And he like writes in the book, like, but I walked away knowing, but, 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 but somebody gets to drive that car. Why not me? And I think there was so much in like, when I used to look at other businesses, I'd be like, oh, that, that's not for me. Or oh, we can't do that. Or, and then it wasn't until I kind of got in that space and it was like, yeah, why not me? Why don't I get to drive that car? I want to. And I think there's so much no, there's so much no when you're trying to grow stuff or do stuff. You can do it all. You just can't do it all at once. I think that if you're, you have to have patience and if it doesn't all just happen right now, look at what is happening and just embrace that and it will grow. Step by step, you can get there. You need to focus on fundamentals. Finding your efficiencies, both digitally and operationally, and maintaining consistency, even within creativity. 
But if you want to scale without losing your soul, you need to keep your values and your vision at the core. They need to perpetually remain front and center. Look, T-Pain, speaking of core, are we, are we still on for dancer size tonight? Yeah, I mean, of course. Oh, okay, good. Okay. Scale doesn't demand the binary choice between profit or impact. So we ought to start striving for scale in a broader, more holistic sense, leveraging scale to amplify values and vision and the impact that your brand's soul can have in the world. So don't just focus on income, but impact as well. Not just about bigger, but better. Not just a flatbread, but a pizza with sauce and toppings and yummy. Kyle, this pizza thing is a bit overdone. I'd it's, say. it's not a, not a steak, Tom. You can't overdone a pizza. Well, you can, and you have. And speaking about overdone, just like Kyle trying to get swole without paying attention to his diet, you really can hurt your brand on the road to scale if you don't pay attention to all of the inputs along the way. Still don't see an issue with the pizza diet. Scale is a journey of many steps. Like Sophie said, Believe that you can do it, but that you can't do it all at once. And when the soul is kept at the heart of your growth, you stop trying to solve impact and scale and start looking for impact through scale. There you have it. That's episode eight of Commerce Chefs. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've gained some insight and perspective on how the journey of scaling your brand can and should be about so much more than dollar dollar bills, y'all. If you're looking for more insights and recipes for success, make sure to join the Commerce Chefs community by following us on social at Commerce Chefs. Ask us questions, send in requests. We want to hear from you. We do. And we're currently cooking up the next episode of Commerce Chefs, so tune in on May 13th. Lastly, if you like this episode, and you know you did, and you want to support us, and you know you do, Make sure to hit the subscribe button and leave us a five-star rating and review. Until next time, this has been a pinch of Kyle and a dash of Tom. We'll be cooking with you in two weeks. And one, and two, and three, and welcome back. Did you choke on your tongue? Welcome back. I just don't know what happened. The words just didn't, they were in my head. They just didn't come out. <laughs> <laughs>